0: Have you ever noticed how often people who are famous, good looking, successful, made heaps of money, are also on drugs, <laughs> depressed, go from one broken relationship to another, drink too much, and at worst, commit? Suicide. How many of you have noticed that? You know, you, you, and it shocks us because they appear to have what most of us want fame, fortune, good looks, money, popularity. Life is made. But friends, the truth is that a lot of people know how to make a living, money, but they don't know how to make a life, a life of peace and joy, and fulfillment, and satisfaction, and happiness. They can't do it. And so I want to tackle that this morning, because ideally God's will is that you have both. You make a living and a life. By the grace of God, He has helped me to make both a wonderful life and a great living. And I only say that because that's God's plan for everyone in this room. It's God's desire and will for you. God does not love me any more than He loves you. I know I'm very lovable, (laughs) but He doesn't. He loves us the same. You say, yeah, but you're a full-time minister. Yeah, so are you. Tell the person next to you, you're a full-time minister. Come on, remind them. Some of them have forgotten from last week. So what is wisdom? In the Bible, it is skill for living. Skill for living. If you have skill for living, you will make a wonderful life. You won't end up on drugs, alcohol. And other bits of trouble that can easily invade our lives. So how can we have, how can you have the wisdom you need to make a life, and I'm going to add in there, and a living, because God wants both. The first thing is you need to desire wisdom more than anything else. I'm going to ask you a question. If you were told God appeared to you and He said to you today, hey, Johnny, Peter, Jane, Mary, ask me, I'm God for anything you want, anything at all, and it's yours. What would you ask for? God, pay off the mortgage. Help me get into a house. Give me a beautiful wife or husband. That's assuming you're not married, obviously. God, a world trip, all expenses paid. God, that my kids would behave. That I... What would you ask for? <laughs> The list would go on and on. You know, I've always wanted to do an ocean cruise around the world. But if I'm going to do it, I have to go on my own. My wife will not come with me. So it's probably not going to happen. But God made this offer to a man by the name of Solomon. So let's go to 2 Chronicles Chapter 1, verse 7. This actually happened. This is not, just a, not a fairy tale. This actually happened. Verse 7. On that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? Oh, I wish God would do that to me. Just ask. Of course, I'd ask for wisdom. <laughs> like all of you would. I know. Whatever. Verse 10. is what Solomon, now give me Wisdom. And knowledge, verse 11. Then God said to Solomon, Because this was in your heart, you've not asked for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom. Then wisdom and knowledge, verse 12, are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor as well. God threw it all in. Hey, so what's that teach you, friend? That says, If you go after wisdom, God's going to give you everything else as well. So, hey, you're never going to lose by focusing on wanting wisdom in your life. It's amazing, though. Solomon had this wisdom, but he didn't live very wise. He did a lot of dumb things. I mean, he had 700 wives. How how dumb is that? Imagine keeping 700 wives happy. I bet he didn't even know their names. Didn't even know where they lived, probably. That was enough. He had a 1,000 concubines. See, wisdom is the right application of knowledge. You can have knowledge, be bright, and be do dumb things. And let's look at what else, what else the Bible says about wisdom. Find your way to Proverbs 4, verse 7. Here's a great verse. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Wisdom is more important than anything else. Proverbs three fifteen. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Wow. So the first key to having the wisdom you need to build a life and a living is you've got to desire wisdom more than anything else in life every day. Say, God, give me wisdom. Number two, you've got to realize that not all wisdom is good. You know, we've all had wisdom passed on to us, haven't we, as we've grown up, from our parents, friends, teachers, leaders, work colleagues, others, all the people who shaped us as we were growing up. They've given us wisdom. We've learned wisdom from them. But what we have to understand as this, friends, is that some of that wisdom was good, but some of that wisdom was really bad. But what happens is we go into autopilot. And so when a situation arises, we just automatically use the wisdom that we've got from our parents or from our friends or our workmates or wherever, and we live according to that wisdom. The problem is some of that wisdom was really, really bad. And it's going to mess up your life. So you have to discern from all the wisdom you've received growing up, what was good wisdom and what was bad wisdom. There was a preacher that I read about a while ago. He realized that many years later, some of the wisdom passed down from his parents was really bad. He said that when he grew up, one of his family's mottos was, look after number one. And after your needs have been met, then think of the needs of others. So he grew up living by look after number one. All through high school, he go, look after number one. Then he got married. And he realized looking after number one was very bad wisdom. Because if you have two people who say, I am number one, your marriage is in trouble. You will not build a healthy, strong, lasting marriage because you can't both be number one. You've got to be at times number two. And then when he had kids... He realized that this wisdom, this motto was a disaster. Because once you have kids, you are no longer number one. Guess what? Zach and Emma are number one. And if they want to get up at two in the morning, you get up at two in the morning. If they want to have a nappy change, you go, hey, you are no longer number one. That's why some people struggle in having kids. Because they've got to make these huge sacrifices. Once you have kids, they are king. They rule. They have the, the way. So what wisdom was passed on to you? Go back and think. Some of it was good. Some of it was really bad. Do you want to know some good wisdom I grew up with? It was passed on to me. No one said yes, so I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> some good wisdom I got was when I grew up to succeed in life, You've got to work hard. Great wisdom. I'm thankful to God for that wisdom. Don't spend all your money. Save. That was great wisdom. That was passed on to me. I'm thankful to God for that. Eat lots of curry. It was fantastic wisdom. I live by that every week. You know, it's just been passed on to me. I'm on autopilot. If I'm not had enough curry, I say, honey, come on, get me the curry. I've got to have it, get my fix you want to know some of the bad wisdom that was passed on to me that I didn't realize for years? Bad wisdom was it's okay to sit in front of a TV or a computer screen and just be on there hour after hour. That's okay. And so that's what I did. And reading books is not important, so I didn't read any books. And then I got to secondary school, and I don't know how many of you had this, but they asked us to read Wuthering Heights. By Charles Dickens was six hundred pages. I looked at that and I thought, "There is no way in the world I am going to read this book." And then we had to do a, a, you know, talk about the book and what it taught us and all the rest of it. I think I read about ten pages. I just couldn't do it because I was taught reading's not important. I did come last in English at school, but uh, but that's because I got Indian blood in me. See, so I couldn't couldn't expect me to do well. That was really bad wisdom. All right. Here's another bad wisdom that I learned from my growing up with parents that the kitchen, cooking, dishes, vacuuming is woman's work. That's how I was raised, seriously. And I remember one day going into the kitchen and, and starting to do some dishes, and my mum came, I think, with a stick and she said, Get out of here, you girl. So I never went back into the kitchen since. It's just about cost me my marriage. (laughs) Bad wisdom, which I had to adjust and had to change. And of course, now I do all the cooking and dishes and (laughs) vacuuming and cleaning and windows. And, you know, I do the whole... you want to know some more bad wisdom I learned? This I learned through church. I'm not blaming anyone because I've got to own it myself. But one bad wisdom I learned was that unity in the body of Christ and respect for other churches and leaders is not that important. So I didn't care for many years until I realized that that was horrendously bad wisdom that I had just picked up. And I didn't have to think about it. I just went to autopilot. That day I don't have to worry about what anyone else is doing. Bad wisdom. So the question I want you to ask yourself is, have you ever gone back over the wisdom you picked up growing up and worked out which was bad and which was good? Because I tell you, the bad wisdom is going to wreck your life, but you have no idea that it's bad wisdom. A company hired a consultant called a meeting of all the shop personnel, and was stressing the need to listen to experts. So he said this, imagine you're on the Titanic, it's sinking, but you managed to get into a lifeboat. Then he said, what direction would you row? Then he said, what if the ship's navigator was on your lifeboat, which way would you now row? And he said, of course you would row the way the navigator told you, right? There were murmurs of agreement through the crowd, Until one man at the back piped up and he said, well, I don't know. He's already hit one iceberg. (laughs) You need to discern who to listen to and who not to listen to. I want to encourage you to carefully weigh up any wisdom that's passed on to you from someone who's already hit five icebergs in life. It probably got something wrong. Wisdom, you see, friends, all the wisdom that's thrown at you is not necessarily the wisdom of God. You need real discernment from God. Number three, read the book of Proverbs regularly. You know, Proverbs urges us to get advice from the wise. Proverbs is about godly wisdom. It's not so much about get-rich-quick schemes or success formulas. But it tells you not so much how to make a living, but how to be skillful in the lost art of making a life. That's what it teaches you. So I think we need to get rid of an apple a day, keeps the doctor away, and go to a proverb a day, keeps trouble away. You know, some people talk about having five plus vegetables to eat, and I think you should do that. But I say, hey, what about a have a, have a proverb every day? And you're going to keep wisdom in your heart. You're going to have success. You're going to make a life, and you're going to make a living as well. A proverb a day will keep the devil away. Well, hopefully, it will help keep him away. So why don't we do that, friends? Why don't we get into this book? You see, if you did that, what? How long would it take you to read a proverb if you read fast? Five minutes? Ten? Let's say five. Let's say 10 minutes, all right? 10 minutes. So 10 minutes a day to become one of the wisest people in New Zealand. Who reckons that's too big an investment to make? Huh? But guess what? Most of us won't do it. It's that simple. To make a great life. It's that simple. God doesn't make it difficult, friends. You've got to read the wisdom of God. Receive it into your heart, into your spirit. And you know, you will not do The dumb things a lot of other people do that wreck their lives. See, wisdom means skill in living. And in the Proverbs, the word wise and wisdom, do you know how many times it's found? 125 times at least. So if you want to be wise, how many of you want to be wise? Give me a wave. Yeah. It's all here for you. It's in the book. You don't have to fast for 40 days. It's available to every one of us. That skill for living. And see what wisdom will do. It will bring you in harmony with God's principles and His priorities for our lives. You see, one of the greatest wisdom of God that you'll ever receive is that the best thing you can do with life is to live 100% for Jesus Christ. To seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. You only get that wisdom, friends, from this book. Probably growing up, not many people would have told you that kind of wisdom, but it's all available, friends, to us if we'll read a proverb today and, of course, obviously read a bit more than that as well. Wisdom will help you walk with God. When you walk with God, you walk in the blessing of God. William Jennings Bryan was a U.S. congressman, and he was brilliant, had huge influence Served for, I think, about three decades in the Congress. And uh, his influence, the people attributed it to this, his wisdom. It's like people thought, man, you are so wise. Why was he so wise? Well, he says this. When he was a kid, his preacher father, before he went to high school, went to college, his preacher father says, said, I challenge you to read a proverb a day or read through the whole book of Proverbs every month for a year, for one year. He says now, as he looks back over his life, he said, that one piece of wise advice, he said, is the reason for my great success and influence in life. Read the Proverbs. A proverb a day will bless your life beyond what you could imagine. Number four, wisdom says never stop learning. Never. Whether you're 15 or 105, never stop learning. In other words, have a hunger to learn. See, God always feeds hunger. If you're hungry, you think, man, I need to know more. I need to know more. I'm hungry. I want God, God will feed that hunger in your life. Years ago, there's this old man, white hair. Now, I'm not saying if you've got white hair, therefore you're old, all right? So don't anyone take offense. Some young people have white hair, all right? So, but this guy did have white hair, and he took a class at the University of Berlin. And he was sitting among these 19- and 20-year-old kids, which was unusual in itself. But what made it more unusual was that he was Alexander von Humboldt, who was a renowned German scientist, a brilliant man. During a lecture on physical geography, the teacher quoted von Humboldt as his authority for what he was saying. Just imagine that. The, The student, in many areas, knew more than the teacher, and yet he's sitting in that class with those young kids wanting to learn some more. So they said to him, why on earth would you sit in this class when you are a renowned, brilliant scientist yourself and probably know more than the lecturer? This was his answer. He said, to help me review what I had neglected in my youth. In other words, he was saying, I know I've still got so much to learn. Friends, it takes real humility to always learn and to receive from others because sometimes, friends, a three-year-old, is going to give you the wisdom you need. But if you're not humble enough to receive it, you'll never get it. Sometimes God's going to use the most unlikely person to give you wisdom. And if you're not humble enough, you can say, "Oh, what do you know?" Cuz you can't determine the channel through which wisdom is going to come. But you are going to need real humility to walk and receive learning and wisdom. Management expert, Peter Drucker, he said this. Listen to this one. This is great wisdom. He said, too often people focus on efficiency, being efficient, doing things right. I bet a lot of you grew up with that as your motto. Do things. If you're going to do it? Do it well. Do things right. Be thorough. Be precise. Be perfectionist, maybe. Someone us learned that I didn't, but some of us did. But he said a lot of people focus on that, doing things right. He said instead of focusing on effectiveness, which is doing the right thing. Hello? A lot of us spend all our time doing things right. I've got to do this right now. I've got to cross my eyes, uh, I tease and dot my I's and get this absolutely right and you, man, I've got to do it right so I get a good grade for what I'm doing. But friends, that's important. But more important than that is make sure you're doing the right thing. No point in doing right or doing really well the wrong thing. And Peter Drucker goes on to say that you know there's nothing worse than an engineering department that turns out beautiful blueprints for the wrong product. Question Are you doing the right things? That thing that you're working so hard at, is it the right thing? See, this is a key to success. It's a key to business success. It's a key to ministry success. It's a key to success in so many areas of our lives because I know over the years as I've observed people, I see them doing well the wrong things. Too much emphasis on something that shouldn't have that kind of emphasis. So ask yourself the question, am I doing the right things? I don't know if I've had I've had one amen yet this morning, have I? Has anyone said, anyone said anything yet? Do you think I should just close in prayer and let's clear out of here or keep going? Who wants me to keep going? Oh, one hand, that's enough. <laughs> it's got to get on TV, so I've got to keep going. All right, so number five. To make a life, wisdom says, avoid sinful people. (sighs) Better get some scriptures on this one because some of you are starting to shake already. You can see the nerves jangling. Let's go to Proverbs 1 and verse 10. My son, my daughter, if sinners entice you, do not... Consent. Verse 15. Cast in your lot among us. Let us have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil. Listen, church. Sinners will entice you. Whether you're 13 or 93, sinners will entice you. Don't think well, I'm 45, I'm 65, I've passed that age now. The devil's going to leave me alone. Friends, dream on. The devil is going to chase you till you cross the, into the grave and into eternity. He will never get, get stopped trying to entice you away from the things of God. You will be enticed. And so sometimes sinners will entice you and they might say, hey, let's go and have a drink. Thirsty rooster, meet you there. Straight after church, 1.15. I don't think we go there because I think that's when pastor goes home. I've seen them coming out a thirsty rooster. Or they might say, hey, let's take some drugs. Or why don't we go nightclubbing? Come on, it'll be all right. <coughs> I've got my Bible with me. It's okay. God will protect us. Or they say, it gets more subtle. Now, they're the big ones. That's a a devil with black cape on. You can pick that. Ah, I'm not going there. What about this one? Hey, let's skip youth this Wednesday and just go and chill out. More subtle. Or worse, hey, let's skip church today. There's this event on. Come on, let's go have some fun. Hey, church will still be there next week. If sinners entice you, do not consent. Why don't you say that with me? Do not consent. Do not consent. Tell the person next to you, do not consent. Now, for those of you who have reached middle age, hey, be, be weary, because at middle age, some people go through a midlife crisis and end up in trouble, end up mixing with the wrong crowd. You know, midlife crisis is a potent thing can really mess with your life. If you're ever in that phase, get some godly counsel and wisdom because there's all these emotions that are running wild in midlife crisis. How do I know that? Well, friends have told me that's what happens when you get to that age. (laughs) I have no experience of that sort of thing. I heard of this nice young family in church, not this church, two beautiful children, two little girls, Then, through some influence, someone came along. They started just going to bars. You know, just a one-off initially. But then they ended up spending a lot of time with the wrong people. The end result, the parents ended up divorcing and the family was destroyed. If sinners entice you, Do not consent. Do not consent. It's a slippery slope, and you may think I can handle it. Believe me, you can't. Do not consent. Here's a quote that may help you. He that lieth down with dogs shall rise up with fleas. Number six, to make a life, listen to wisdom that calls out to you. Do you know wisdom is shouting at you? you know, some of you sit there thinking, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Friends, no. If you will listen, it's shouting. It's screaming at you. You might say, prove that. I will. Proverbs 8, verse 1. Does not wisdom cry out? And understanding, lift up her voice. She takes a stand on top of the high hill. Beside the way where the paths meet, she cries out by the gates at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. To you, O man, I call. Wisdom cries out. And God, say if it's my, me, my, if, say if I'm the example. Wisdom calls, hey, Talk! Do this, and that's the right thing to do here. I think, okay, okay, I hear you. Stop! Don't do that! That's dumb! No, no, it's screaming out at you, friends. You know why? God knows how much wisdom you need. He knows you desperately, I desperately need wisdom. So he's not going to withhold wisdom for one half millisecond. Sometimes you've got to be able to hear where the wisdom is coming from. It's right there. It's in your hand. It's available to you. Sometimes it might take, like, that professor, that scientist, humility to hear it because you might hear something, you ah, I don't want to, you know. But it's crying out. That's what the Bible says. It's calling out to you, wisdom. There was a man when he was a young guy. His father said, pay attention to what you're doing because he saw that his attention wandered, so his father was wanting to get him on the right track. And he said that wisdom of his father helped him so much in his life. He learned to pay attention to the job at hand. For example, he said he learned to watch the road when driving and not the scenery all around him. That's wisdom that comes from heaven. It cries out to you from your family, from your friends, from your work colleagues, from the elderly, from all over, from the, your, from the unsaved. It calls out to you. You just got to hear it. God's will for you is to enjoy both a great life and a good living. That's what my Bible teaches. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. We are called to be the head and not the tail, to win and not lose, to be above and not beneath. Wisdom is the principal thing. And all you're getting, get wisdom. Ask God for wisdom every day and you will build a great life and make a good living in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.